Hey, this is Amanda, women's health dietitian. And I'm Emily, nutritional therapy practitioner. And this is the Are You Menstrual podcast, where we help you navigate the confusing world of women's hormones and teach you how to have healthy periods. Each week, we will be diving into a different topic on women's health and sharing our perspective using nutrition, female physiology, and metabolic health. Our goal is to help you wade through conflicting health information and empower you on your healing journey. We hope you enjoy it. In this episode, we are doing a special tribute to one of our hardest working organs, which is the liver. The liver is best known for detoxification, but most people forget that your liver has to be healthy and functioning optimally to actually detox. We're going to talk about exactly what that means and how popular detox programs and supplements are often missing the mark when it comes to actually supporting your liver. So even though the liver gets its reputation for being a detox organ, it's not just a detox organ. There are actually 500 vital bodily functions that the liver helps operate. And all of these, or most of them, affect so many different systems in the body. And we're going to be talking about a few of those. So right now, just talking about the liver and how it affects our hormones, which I know a lot of you are going to be most interested in because this is a podcast about hormone health. But let's dive in really quickly with how it affects these certain areas, starting with hormones. So the liver does process hormones like estrogen is a really big one, and it makes them inactive so that we can get rid of those hormones through digestion. So this is really important for hormone balance because if you have a ton of excess estrogen circulating through your body, that's going to cause unwanted symptoms that are related to estrogen dominance. But It's also really important to remember that the liver is so intimately connected with the thyroid. So the liver actually converts thyroid hormone T4 into the active form of T3. So it goes from inactive to active. We've talked about this before in previous episodes, but that is huge. And sometimes when you're not feeling your best, when you think you may have thyroid symptoms or a sluggish thyroid and your doctor tells you you're fine because your TSH is good, A lot of times what we're missing is that conversion, right? So how well is your body or more specifically your liver converting that T4 to T3? Because if that's not happening, you're going to experience a lot of sluggish thyroid symptoms. So super important. Not only that, but when it also comes to the thyroid, the liver allows us to metabolize carbs for energy use in the body. And this is very important for thyroid health. We've talked about how important carbohydrates are for a optimally functioning thyroid. And so this is all based on how well your liver is functioning. Another one is the liver and the gut. As I said, we're going through these kind of fast, but we will dive deeper in this episode. We're just giving you a little intro. So with the liver and the gut, the liver makes and converts cholesterol. So this can be used for different areas of the body. And if you know anything about hormones, you know that they are produced from cholesterol. So we need cholesterol in order to produce sex hormones. It also produces bile, which helps us to break down our fats and absorb fat-soluble vitamins. So as you can see, those are already three really big areas that all kind of come back to our hormones, right? If we don't have adequate thyroid hormone 
that's going to affect the rest of our hormones. If we're not digesting our foods well and making cholesterol, that's going to affect our hormones. So it's really important to put all of this into perspective about how the liver affects so many different systems, which then in turn go back and affect the liver. <laughs> I know. And bile is such a big one too, because like obviously that bile helps us, you know, break down fat into little tiny particles so we can easily absorb them. But we like get rid of things in our bile, like toxins, different specific hormones. Actually, we can get rid of byproducts through the bile. So it's one of those things that I feel like we don't always think about. And especially people struggle with things like constipation. I'm like, how's, how's your liver? Cause if you don't have adequate bile that can lead to that sluggishness of our digestion. And then if you aren't breaking down fat well because of inadequate bile, then, and you say you're eating like a decent amount of fat in your diet, then that can definitely lead to more constipation. And this is one we often see in clients that don't have a gallbladder anymore. And so there's really nowhere for that bile to go. Then we often will see that there, most of those people struggle with constipation or very loose stools. Usually they alternate and they're kind of going back and forth. So bile is a huge one and that is produced in your liver and then it goes to your gallbladder and then that is put out into our duodenum when we are eating and breaking down our food. Another really big area is blood sugar right? I think that this is probably the one that Emily and I talk about the most on this podcast. I mean, I can't even, we've the first like three episodes, I feel like we're just kind of honing in on like what our metabolism is, why keeping blood sugar stable is such an important aspect of a healthy metabolism. And the liver is really responsible for that. So it acts as the body's kind of fuel reservoir for glucose, which is just that sugar, blood sugar, broken down carbohydrates that our bodies run off of. And the liver helps to keep your circulating blood sugar levels stable and make sure that our body constantly has that fuel. When we are given plenty of carbs, like for that fuel, say you're eating carbs in the majority of your meals, um, you try to balance things out with protein, fat, and carb consistently throughout the day. This is what allows your liver to store enough sugar is it's called glycogen is the stored form of that glucose. And that's what helps when your body is stressed, when maybe you don't, you have to like, you're super busy. So you skip a meal, you didn't have time to eat or at night when we're sleeping, this is what allows us to keep that blood sugar consistent during that time. So it's really, really important. And this is another way that the liver is going to impact hormones. Again, like so often people will comment on our Instagram posts or reach out to us and talk about, oh, that they are struggling with estrogen dominance. Their periods are painful. They want to know like what supplements they should take for their liver. Uh, they, they're, or they'll say like, I know I should support my liver, but like, I don't know what to do. What should I take? And this is where you really have to zoom out and look at, okay, well, if your liver performs over 500 different really important functions in the body, how are we going to ensure that it's supporting your hormones properly if it can't even do its job? And I think that's the biggest takeaway that we want you to have. Like Emily said, talking about like how it's really important for get processing hormones, for converting thyroid hormone, for digestion in order to keep everything in a good place and to make sure your liver has the fuel it needs. It does need glucose and amino acids. And that's why we are always harping on the protein and carbs. So when our liver runs out of that glucose, what happens is like, say like at nighttime, if you're sleeping, say you sleep for eight hours and you use up 
the majority of that glucose stored in your liver, then it will start to convert things like proteins and amino acids from those proteins and then waste products and fat byproducts and turn that into glucose. And this is called gluconeogenesis. This is when our body is making its own glucose because it ran out of getting it from you and the diet basically. Our liver can store about 100 to 130 grams of glucose. This is a healthy liver, I want to emphasize, because sometimes we have issues storing glucose in the liver, and a lot of that, maybe you get hangry often, maybe you have lots of blood sugar imbalances, you have a hard time keeping that in a good place, and a lot of that is coming back to can your liver actually do this properly? Does it have enough thyroid hormone? Does it have enough potassium? Is it getting amino acids from your diet from protein? So we should be able to store up to 130 grams of glucose. And this lasts us seven to nine hours when we're fasting, right? So we'll use this up quicker if we are working out in a fasted state, if we're super stressed all day, if we're skipping meals, if we're eating lower carb, all those things are going to eat up that glucose that's stored in the liver. And then that is going to give your liver another function to do, right? When we ask our liver to perform that gluconeogenesis on top of all its other functions, we're giving it more work. And this will impact all of the other systems in the body that run off of glucose. So this is going to put a burden not only on your liver, but your brain and your nervous system, your reproductive system and your hormones, your thyroid, and ultimately our adrenal glands. And so if you are someone that really resonates with feeling like you have low energy, you're in that burnt out state, or maybe you get those like bouts of adrenaline. I have a lot of clients that deal with this where like they might get like overly stressed and too stimulated from time to time. That all I would really consider like, is your liver getting the things that it needs? Are you able to store that glucose? All those things are going to have such a big impact. Oh, for sure. And I think it's worth mentioning that our bodies are really intelligent. And while there is a lot, we're going to talk about this, but while there is a lot out there advertising, oh, you know, you need to detox your liver, you need to cleanse your liver. That's actually not the right approach because our liver's are already detoxing. Like we don't need to do anything to produce that detoxification or those functions that we discussed. Because when you give your liver what it needs, basically with just good nutrition, as Amanda was saying, the right macro, micronutrients, all of that good stuff, it's going to be able to do what it was meant to do and created to do just fine. Um, and with that said, I am going to talk about dysfunction with the liver, but I think it's it's important to remember that your liver doesn't just stop functioning, right? So it's not like it's just, oh, I'm I'm done. I'm not getting, you know, a juice cleanse every, every other month, so I'm just going to stop doing what I was created to do. No, the liver is really, really smart. It, it keeps up with this really, really well, and we don't have to do anything special to make sure that this happens. It's really just about going back to the basics and giving it what it needs so that it can continue to function just like every other system in the body, right? So now that I've just kind of gotten that rant out of the way, I do want to talk about what does happen when we don't give the liver what it needs through proper nutrition. And there are a couple things here. So when the liver becomes impaired, the end results are going to look like higher levels of aldosterone, growth hormone, and glucagon. And this is basically just 
from stress. So this is a stress response that's going to promote the excretion of magnesium in the urine. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we're we're looking at mineral deficiencies and imbalances here. So this stress response on the liver is going to create these imbalances. And it's it's all kind of a cycle because we need minerals in order to support the liver. So it's kind of a vicious cycle. But then without a functioning liver, we might see those hypothyroidism symptoms that I talked about earlier. And that's going to be from the low conversion rate of T4 to T3. So you might see lower levels of T3. A sluggish liver can also contribute to the excess estrogen circulating through the body. So that's going to be estrogen-dominant symptoms like painful or heavy periods, breast tenderness, weight gain, fibroids, low or super high libido, fatigue, and mood disorders. So those are just a few things that can happen when we do stop kind of giving the liver what it needs just through basic nutrition. But Amanda is going to talk about a few more. And another thing just to kind of go off of the estrogen-dominant symptom piece again is that your liver is going to also have a big impact not only on estrogen, but that estrogen is going to impact thyroid function. So if we have an excessive amount of estrogen hanging around in the body, then we make more of a certain binding protein, and that binding protein also binds to thyroid hormone. So it'll make that active thyroid hormone then inactive and can lead to those hypothyroid type of symptoms. So again, it's just everything is connected and it's all going back into each other. But estrogen dominance can lead to thyroid issues. Thyroid issues can lead to estrogen dominance. And then the liver has a big connection to all of that. And the other kind of big thing that we see happen when people have liver dysfunction are digestive issues. So it could be just not breaking down your food well because you don't have enough bile production or that bile is not properly flowing through into the digestive tract. And that's going to lead to poor digestion, absorption of fat, light colored stools. You can have stools that float. Um, but it's also eventually that can lead to vitamin deficiencies, like the fat soluble vitamins, like vitamins A, D, E, and K. And if you listen to our copper and iron episode, you know that vitamin A is so, so important. It's probably, I think, one of the most important vitamins for thyroid health as well. And we have a whole blog post on this. So I definitely recommend looking at that if you're concerned about vitamin A and you have thyroid issues. Um, a lot of it can come back to your liver health as well, though, as you're probably kind of realizing. So digestion is a big one. Fat-soluble vitamins are big ones. But then even things like constipation, poor appetite, those are huge. And they do tend to come up. And yes, like a sluggish metabolism Sluggish thyroid can cause constipation, but so can not having adequate bile production. So it's just about looking at all of the different areas that could be impacting this for you and not just the one. And of course, you know, if you do have if you don't have a great appetite, that can be caused by running off of stress and having high stress hormones, even just having a slow metabolism in your body conserving more energy, that's going to impact your hunger and fullness cues. But we do tend to see those with liver dysfunction deal with reduced appetite as well. Yeah. And I think it's funny how when we think of digestion and like, oh, you know, my digestion is not working well, a lot of us tend to go straight to either, well, okay, how's my stomach acid? How's my gallbladder? How's just like my GI in general, like all the small intestine, all of that. We we consider that, but I feel like it's very rare that people actually look at liver health and think about, well, the fact that my liver produces bile, that's huge, you know, and it helps us break down those fats. So I think it's just a good reminder to think about how is my liver doing if I'm not 
experiencing proper digestion. Yeah, it's easy to want to look at like, do I have a parasite? Do I have overgrowth, SIBO, um, pathogens? And not that those things can't impact you, mm-hmm. and they definitely can, but it's kind of like, why did they happen in the first place? Why are you having overgrowth in your small intestine? It's usually related to a sluggish thyroid, sluggish metabolism, you know, like, and poor digestion. So you always want to, I would definitely consider liver function as a basic foundation versus just going straight to like an intense gut protocol, because you can have the same issue come back like a year or less later because you didn't really get to that root. So digestion is a huge red flag for liver function. And then things like cholesterol and triglycerides are another big one. We tend to see high cholesterol or low cholesterol with people that have liver dysfunction. And a lot of that is mainly, we tend to see higher cholesterol for the most part because, you know, 80% of cholesterol is going to be produced by your liver. And say you've got some liver dysfunction going on, maybe it's super stressed, maybe you have some excess iron and your liver is not converting and clearing that cholesterol well, you're going to, it's going to add up. But same with like thyroid, right? If you have a sluggish thyroid, then that can also lead to high cholesterol levels, inflammation, stress, all those things can lead to high cholesterol. It's not always just going to be your liver, but for the most part, it's always going to play a role. And then high triglycerides because our liver helps keep our fat levels in our blood at a healthy level and not excessive. But if that liver is not functioning properly, then we are much more likely to have high triglyceride levels. So that's another two great things that you can look at by just doing like a lipid panel on blood work. And then the last kind of big sign that we see the most frequently with those that have dysfunction in their liver is skin health and skin-related issues, right? Like people will have If you have lots of rashes, psoriasis, eczema, acne, especially if you've been dealing with things for a long time, typically these are not going to be like the first symptom that you ever deal with. They're going to be something that comes much later when your body has already been stressed for a long time. So that is one where if you do have a lot of skin issues, you'd want to look at what is my blood work like? You know, how is my digestion? Do I have a gallbladder? You know, that's, of course, that's going to play a huge role if you can actually get that bile. And then do I have some of these other symptoms of estrogen dominance? Is How's my thyroid working? All of those things are going to be huge. We do tend to see more skin issues and those that have maybe either dieted, have been under eating for a long time, or have been like on more like restrictive type of like elimination protocol type of diets for a long time and their bodies are just running off of stress hormones. Their immune system is completely overstimulated and probably depleted at this point. Low vitamin A, like all those things are such big influences on that immune system and on the liver. And so once your body gets past this like certain level of stress and inflammation, then typically you're going to start to see that show up in your skin. Hey, Amanda here, just giving you a quick break, hopefully a a break for your brain in the middle of this podcast episode to remind you that if you haven't gone through our free training, optimizing hormone health through mineral balance, we really do recommend starting there. And the main reason for that is because you're going to hear us say things like mineral foundation, having a solid foundation, are you putting the foundations in place, especially what we get deeper and deeper into different hormonal topics and specific imbalances in the body, the, the mineral foundation it's always going to be so essential. So if you haven't watched the free training, you can find it in our show notes or you can go to hormonehealingrd.com and it's going to be right on that front page there. But we really recommend starting 
there so that you can understand how is your current mineral status, how do you assess this, and how to get started with all that just so you can get as much as you possibly can out of the rest of the podcast episodes. But that's it. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. I love talking about the liver and learning about it because looking back at my, like we just went through so many different things that the liver can affect, especially a dysfunctioning liver, right? So looking back at my health history, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of our listeners can relate, pretty much every single one you listed or we listed, I have had in the past, right? So the acne, the poor digestion and constipation, the high cholesterol, the estrogen dominant sy- symptoms, the low T3, like literally every single thing has been something I've dealt with. And I know it can be over overwhelming for those of you listening because you might think, well, you're telling me it could be the liver, but it could also be, you know, the thyroid and it could also be, you know, blood sugar imbalance and uh, a gallbladder that's not moving bile properly. Like there's so many things that it could be, but you have to understand that it's one piece of the puzzle that's just affecting every other piece, right? So if you're missing one piece, it affects the whole puzzle. (laughs) And that's kind of a dumb analogy. But basically, it all goes hand in hand, as Amanda was saying, and it's nothing in isolation. So if the li- if a f- dysfunctioning liver affects one part of your body, that's going to have a trickle-down effect to so many other parts. And that's what's important to understand. But what we are going to talk about is how to support the liver um, in a holistic way. All of those things are going to affect the rest of the systems too. So it's not just like the things we talk about in this episode are only going to help the liver. It's going to help your body as a whole. And that's the good news. Even if you're overwhelmed by all this information, know that the things that we talk about and recommend for good optimal liver health are going to be great for optimal health in general. But I just wanted to point that out. And I will say what was the big red light for me was when I got my HTMA back and I noticed that my cobalt was really high. And Amanda explained to me that that can indicate liver distress. And I think Amanda, remind me, I think my cobalt was like one of the highest you had ever seen, right? Yeah, it was It was like off the, so high that it was off the charts mm-hmm. on that first hair test that you did. So she explained to me that that was a big indicator of liver stress. It could also indicate that there's a biounavailability of B12 or poor absorption of B12. So sometimes that can be related to low stomach acid, which I also know that I struggle with. But I just thought this was really eye-opening because, again, like I said, I've struggled with all of the, you know, the classic symptoms of hypothyroidism and just like I said, the acne and all of that. And so being able to see that on the page that, whoa, my liver really is stressed out. Like, how do I support my liver? That was huge for me. And we can't forget your blood sugar. Of course. Issues. And that was kind of like when when I initially saw that, obviously, Emily has a history with PCOS and hypothyroidism, which can definitely impact your blood sugar. But for her, it, it really, she needed a huge liver focus because 
that really high cobalt was just showing so much stress. And then she already was dealing with somewhat of a sluggish thyroid. So she already had so many things that were making it difficult for her liver to do its job and have energy and store glucose. And so that was showing up in her day-to-day of having these like big highs and lows and just huge swings with blood sugar. And so once she started more consistently consuming carbohydrates and balance the protein and fat and not kind of fearing those things and just, you know, beef liver and vitamin A and like support all those things that support your basic needs and the liver and everything and adrenal cocktails. It's like over time that really helped make your blood sugar that much more stable, but I'm sure it's because it had a big impact on that liver function. Oh, 100%. And you could tell by my next HTMA, my my cobalt came way down. I think it was in the completely normal range on my second test. So everything I've been doing, I think you know, vitamin A was a huge one, Amanda, because I got on beef liver, I got on the cod liver oil, and knowing my history and the different pharmaceuticals I had taken in the past, I know my vitamin A was struggling. So we're going to talk about everything that supports the liver, including those micronutrients. That's super important. But I just wanted to point out, if you have done an HTMA and you do see high cobalt, that is one of those big kind of red flags when it comes to liver health. Another big one is having high iron because this can indicate liver stress because when the iron gets stored in the liver, it impairs liver function, okay? So if you do have high iron on your HTMA, chances are you're also storing iron in your tissues and your liver. And then lastly, low sulfur can just be an indication that you're not detoxing as well. So we need sulfur in order to detox properly. Yeah, I think it's mostly for phase two, but it might be for phase one as well. But sulfur is a huge one. It's really easy to get from food. It's definitely, it's found in both plant and animal foods, typically in abundance, especially if you eat meat, it's like you typically can meet your needs. But a lot of people struggle with that because they're not breaking it down well, or maybe they're not getting enough animal products in. Maybe their body's super stressed, poor detoxification in general, all those things are going to impact it. But those are just a few markers. If you have a hair test that you can look at, I think it's helpful just to kind of see. And I was reading this review for something. I was looking at some herbal product that a client had sent me and she was like, I can't even remember the name and I'm not going to share the brand anyway, but I was reading these reviews. It was an herbal-based product. It ended up being totally fine. And I was like, you can definitely take this if you want. It was, it was more just like a blend to like support your liver of certain herbs, which we're going to talk about some of them in a bit, but it was interesting. I was reading, I always like to read the reviews to see like people's experience. And so I was reading some of the lower star reviews and this person basically commented saying that the, she was blaming all this like liver like excess iron accumulated. She like had an MRI, saw that she had all these liver issues that she didn't know about. And she had one before she started taking it. And then she had to have another one after and do some blood work. And she was like, I had all these changes in my liver in the meantime. And I mean, I don't believe that because then the next thing she said was that she's been iron deficiency anemic for the majority of her life. And it's like, Yeah. So you've been accumulating iron in your liver and it's not in your blood, which makes you look anemic. And so of course, and she had hair loss issues. And so, and which of course, like she thinks she has hair loss because she doesn't have enough iron. Her liver thinks that she has hair loss because she has too much stored in the liver. So iron's an interesting one. It's not that it's like, 
like we need iron, you know, we don't want to not have any, we just, again, we want to keep it in circulation. So when it's not, it does tend to accumulate in the liver and impair a lot of its functions. So if you do a hair test and you see high, you don't see high cobalt, but your, your iron's really high, it could be because you are getting rid of some excess iron and moving it. But a lot of times it's that it's stored up in the liver and creating a lot more inflammation and distress in the body. Okay, before we dive into supporting the liver, which I know you're all waiting patiently for, we're going to talk about first what does not support the liver. And Amanda, do you want to take the reins on this one? Yeah. So because we were going to go through, I mean, a lot of the stuff you guys know, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know, and we hope that it just encourages you that you're on the right path. So often people want like a special supplement or pill or something, but those don't work typically. Like if we think about you know, Emily and I were, before we started this, we're like, what do we see people do for liver detoxes? Or like, what have we done in the past? Like, what have we, what have we been advised to do? And I think one of the most popular ones that I see are like detox protocols that are very like juice-based, smoothie-based, not that we're getting smoothies here, <laughs> limited in carbs and like they eliminate animal protein. I think that's probably the most common types of like liver detox or cleanse that I will see. And we're just like, but this does everything you don't want to do to support your liver, right? It's it's eliminating animal protein, which takes away all those important amino acids and B vitamins and copper and vitamin A and all those things that we need to have that liver function optimally. So that's a huge one. It typically, if we have low carb or it's just like a calorie restriction, that's like a huge part of a lot of liver detoxes is like, yeah, of course you feel different because you're cutting your calories in half and your body is now running off of stress hormones. So I hear this so, so much. Like I will have people be like, oh, I had this person do a liver detox, like other practitioners. Typically they're not like dietitians or nutritional therapists. They're more like health coaches, nothing against health coaches, but I think you kind of need to have this baseline understanding of things to really understand like what's happening in your client's body. So like, of course, if someone cuts their calories, starts drinking juices, is running off of cortisol and their livers, you know, their livers basically just prioritizing gluconeogenesis and making glucose to keep your blood sugar balanced, they're going to feel different and they might even get a boost in energy and lose a little bit of weight. But then as soon as they go back to that norm, it's going to go back to whatever they were experiencing before and sometimes make them feel even worse. So it, a lot of those detox protocols are not actually getting in there and working on what building blocks does your liver need, especially things like fasting. Like a lot of people will be like, oh, I'm going to support my liver and detoxification of my body by fasting. And like, yes, you can increase autophagy and people talk about increasing lifespan and everything with fasting, but you can improve your lifespan just by having healthier day-to-day habits and consistency. And you you don't want to do something like fasting all the time because we all do it every night. So if you are adding to your nighttime fast and you're fasting during the day and you also have a lot of stress, you are likely depleting your liver of that stored glucose. And then that's giving your liver more work to do. So I think that the biggest thing we want everyone to take away is that if you are relying on just a supplement or a detox protocol that is eliminating things like animal foods and carbs that's super restrictive, that is most likely just increasing your stress hormones. um, And it's not actually getting to the root of why your liver isn't detoxing well in the first place. Uh, In that, remember that cortisol running off that stress, that's going to 
up, it's going to have the same reaction of a stressed out liver. It's going to be burning through magnesium and sodium and potassium. You're going to be increasing those stress hormones. So it's, it's pretty much the opposite of what you would want to actually do to support your liver. Right. Running off cortisol is not going to be it, ladies, we promise. And just as we always say, like with anything health related, supporting your liver is going to be long term, right? It's not it's not a quick fix. There's not something you can take that's just going to magically, you know, regenerate your liver. But the good news is that by supporting your liver, we can help the liver regenerate itself. So just by giving it its basic support, what it needs to thrive, it's going to heal and it's going to function optimally again. And that's the really good news is that um, it's not too late. Even if you have a sluggish liver, even if there's a lot of burden on it right now, it can turn around pretty quickly, actually. And all it needs is the right nutrition and just the right like the lifestyle habits, like the stress um, relief, the stress resilience, building your resilience to stress. But we're going to get into the details of that. So here are the things that you can actually do to support detox without adding more stress onto your body. So instead of doing things like juice cleanses and restricted eating windows and stuff like that, we recommend focusing on adding energy in. So rather than cutting out energy, your liver needs that energy so that it can function properly. The first step would be making sure that you are eating enough food in order to support that energy production and your metabolism. And then that is going to create enough energy. That's like the first step to make sure your liver is working well. And this kind of goes hand in hand with that. When we say eat enough food, you know, we're hoping that you're choosing the most nutrient-dense foods because the liver really needs things like B vitamins, vitamin C, amino acids, which are, you know, protein, vitamin E, vitamin A, taurine, and magnesium. So these are all required to keep the liver functioning well. So that's just going to be in your real foods, right? That's nutrient-dense diet 101. (laughs) And we did talk about a lot of those foods in episode two, but just like not being afraid of a mix of animal proteins and plants, like doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. And to try to work in foods that you actually enjoy. I mean, I just think that's such an important part. If you can't be consistent, then you're never going to see the results that you want. So those getting the, you know, dairy, muscle meats, organ meats, bone broth, collagen, gelatin, those are going to be seafood, great proteins. And then potatoes, obviously things like plantains, yucca, fruit, non-starchy veggies, mostly cooked for the most part. Those are all going to give you an abundance of nutrients that you need. Uh, Another big one is eating enough carbs. We talked a lot about the blood sugar piece. If we aren't getting enough carbs in, then we're going to create a lot more work for our liver because it's going to have to make glucose from proteins and fats. And again, that's that's an alternative fuel source. So that means that your body's going to get used to running off of that. So then when you do try to eat carbs, you're going to be like, why don't I tolerate these carbs? Well, why do I gain weight or why do I not have balanced blood sugar when I eat carbs? One, you would need to look at the type of carbohydrate. But a big one that I would think about is, is this new for your body? Is it not used to eating these carbohydrates? Is it used to having to make its own? Getting enough carbs in is going to be a really great way to support your liver. We also encourage regular eatings, eating 30 to 60 minutes after you wake up. And then again, every three to four hours is going to be really helpful for replenishing that glycogen and keeping your T3 high. So that's the thyroid component is that conversion from T4 to T3 is really good. That's really what it needs to do that is 
that regular meal timing. And another big one is getting enough sleep, right? I think a lot of people know because it's, I feel like people, Honestly, post about this all the time of like, your liver does the most detoxification between these hours or something. It really does do a lot of detoxification while we're sleeping. And think about it. It's doing all its restorative and regenerative things while we're sleeping. And that's why when you don't get enough sleep, everything can be thrown off from blood sugar to liver detox, um, even to just like brain function, cognition, your nervous system, adrenals, all those different areas. So getting enough sleep is huge and it's going to help allow your body to have enough time to detox and even our brain detoxes at night. So if you feel like you have a lot of brain fog and everything, a lot of people look to like thyroid and liver for that and it definitely impacts it. But I would say like the first thing you want to think about is are you getting enough sleep and is it restorative sleep? I feel like sleep is just the answer to everything, to be honest. (laughs) I know. I was listening to a podcast from the woman that she does. She made the chili pads. Have you Mm -hmm. ever tried one of those? I haven't, but I've heard of them. I know. I think we were thinking about getting them, but they have a, this whole, it was Stop Chasing Pain, that podcast, such a good one. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's a great Instagram follow, but they were talking about different types of sleep patterns and how everyone's a little different. So, I mean, if the eight to 10 hours doesn't feel right to you, I, and we're not going to tell you the exact times to sleep. I do think light exposure is important. We're going to have a whole podcast on that. But I think it's just the consistency is the big one and not being afraid to take naps too. People are so afraid to take naps. I don't know why. When it's like that it's not I gonna, love naps. <laughs> I think because they're worried it's going to impact their sleep mm-hmm. later. Oh, I think a lot of people feel mm-hmm. guilty about taking naps. You know, I don't think – I don't know if I could take a nap midday. I think I would just be thinking about work I should be doing. Yeah. So I, it's there's like a whole loaded thing. But sleep is a huge one, and I think it'll look a little different for everyone. So to not be discouraged if you don't fit the perfect, like, sleeping right. from 10 to 6. And then we talked about how the liver needs amino acids. So this is where your protein is going to come in. So eat adequate protein that is both easy to digest and absorb. So Amanda kind of listed off the foods that were very nutrient-dense and ones we like to prioritize. But just to kind of give you ideas for protein specifically, things like eggs, which eggs are like the perfect food in my opinion, because especially because all of the protein is absorbed, which I don't even think you can say that for meat. I think eggs is the only thing that 100% of the protein is absorbed. So eggs are going to be great. Other things like grass-fed beef, wild-caught shrimp, bone broth, your gelatin, your collagen, all of that. But I think if you are going if you're someone that's not used to eating a lot of meat for example or animal products but you really want to start incorporating more protein into your diet honestly start with eggs i don't i feel like those are the great like gateway animal protein to really prioritize, especially if we're talking about your liver, because they're a great source of choline, which supports bile production, and that's going to help you break down all of your fats. Like we said, so important for digestion. So yeah, start with eggs. (laughs) And bone broth. A lot of my clients that come to me eating more plant-based or not really eating any animal foods, they'll start with eggs, bone broth, dairy. Like Those are great ones to kind of get your feet wet with. And then I would also think about adding in digestive support. Oh, 100%. If you're not used to eating animal foods, yeah. use apple cider vinegar or digestive bitters prior to those meals because a lot of times we are not making as much stomach acid when we're not eating animal foods. So then you add them in and your body's like, 
this is just going to sit in your stomach because we can't break it down. We don't have the means to do it. So that's a big one. Citrus fruits are another huge one for the liver, mainly because they contain a lot of vitamin C. And so that vitamin C is going to help to support fat mobilization. It acts as an antioxidant to support all the work that the liver is doing. Um, And it contains copper, right? Vitamin C rich whole foods contain copper as well. And then if if you're someone that feels like you are that like stressed person where or maybe you're burnt out or maybe you're experiencing more like adrenaline, like high energy, you either have used up a lot of vitamin C or you're currently using up a lot. So replacing that is super important. Citrus is great. If people have histamine issues, any fruit works. And mm-hmm. you can do things like, I think it's camu camu powder is low histamine. I'm pretty sure. But if you have histamine issues, you probably need more copper and vitamin A. So listen to the copper and iron episode. <laughs> yeah, that the citrus fruit is a big one, though. That's why the adrenal cocktails are so helpful for mm-hmm. those that are struggling with liver issues. Yeah, get in that orange juice. Okay, so um, another one is the vitamin B-rich foods. So those are going to help support phase, phases one and two of detox. And we like getting our... B vitamins from organ meats like liver. And you can either eat liver or you can take a supplement like I do. Um, So I'm currently taking the perfect supplements brand of beef liver. And yeah, really been enjoying it. So that's, that's kind of a whole food way to get your B vitamins. Because I feel like a lot of people take like, you know, in their multivitamin, they say, oh, I have B vitamins, but a lot of times it's the synthetic version. So yeah, brewer's yeast has B vitamins too. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah, that's a good one. And we did a whole episode on supportive supplements and we go so deep into beef liver. So make sure you listen to that one. Another big one is reducing your toxic exposure, right? So, so much we're trying to add things in to support the liver, which I think is important, especially when it comes to food. But taking things away, like having excessive toxins in your environment, like reducing plastics, switching to things like menstrual cups or period panties, using a decent water filter, even just looking at like the, I I think of like your cleaning products or laundry detergent, Mm -hmm. all these things that you're constantly being surrounded by, lotions, anything you're putting on your skin, and you don't need to change it all at once. And I don't recommend changing all at once because it's going to be really expensive and it's going to be really overwhelming. And I can't imagine being able to find all great replacements. Like I like to just do one thing at a time, research it well, look at reviews and then figure out, okay, is this going to be a good option to replace? Like I think of, we helped a few women replace toothpaste recently in our membership. And so we kind of went through when everyone shared their favorite toothpaste and then it's, you know, you can make an educated decision based off of feedback from others. So slowly starting to reduce that toxic exposure is a great way to reduce the burden on the liver, which gives it, frees up more energy um, so that it can work on other functions. Yeah. And I just like to add, like, this is something you can do, as Amanda said, over a long period of time. Don't stress over this. I would just like make it fun. Like pick one thing, maybe a month or a week if you're a little more aggressive and just be like, okay, what am I going to research? How? What am I going to make like a safer swap to? And like Amanda said, start with something as simple as toothpaste or deodorant or, you know, your cleaning, your cleaning supplies, whatever you want to do, just go through it one by one if that, if that helps you not stress out about it. 
And then we wanted to just add in here something that's helped both Amanda and me and a lot of our clients is castor oil packs. So these are really, really good for the liver too. And you can do them up to five days a week. Some people even do them seven days a week, but they help reduce liver inflammation and provide the fat-soluble antioxidants for nourishment. So we have... I feel like we have a lot of resources on how to do castor oil packs. It's on our Instagram. Blog. Blog. I'll put the blog in the show notes for the castor oil pack. Okay. Yeah, that would be, that's just something extra that you can do that's really helpful, especially if you deal with symptoms like, like period symptoms and just anything that we talked about that could indicate a sluggish liver that really helps get things moving and grooving. Yeah, it's great for constipation and bloating. Mm -hmm. So if you deal with those, that's like, one of the first things I recommend, if you are someone that is very new to things like castor oil packs, maybe you th- you suspect that you don't have great liver detox, then you want to go slow and you'd only want to do it for like 20, 30 minutes the first time. And I wouldn't necessarily do it every day. I would slowly build up. Like I just wear it to bed at night, but you don't want to just jump into that because you could actually wake up feeling worse. And that's a sign that, hey, your liver's like, it needs, needs a little bit of a slower pace with that. And you can also use things like binders, but the castor oil packs, if you want to avoid getting those detox type symptoms like headaches, fatigue, that sort of thing. And things like activated charcoal, great option. Um, Shilajit also binds to things and it doesn't, you can take it with food, which is really nice. Um, (laughs) That's a big one. So one thing I want to plug for a friend before, because when Emily was talking about making swaps, like slowly, I thought of, I recently had uh, my friend Danielle, she made this company. It's called Balanced Bod. I'll put the link for it in the show notes, but she like went on this whole healing journey. She talks about it on her, she's at live well. Danielle is her Instagram. And then she has an Instagram for the shop balance bod. And what it is, it's basically like after she went through and did all these swaps and everything and tried so many different products, she was like there one, there's a lot of greenwashing. And so it's really hard to know like what's actually a safer product and what just looks like one. And then of course, how do you sift through and find which one's actually going to work and be a good Mm -hmm. option? So that's pretty much what her website is, is it's like, as if you had a friend that's an expert in non-toxic products and you wanted to know what kind of laundry detergent should I switch to? She's got things like skincare products and she's, it just, she just launched it. She's going to be, continue to add more, but it's cool. Like she goes through and says like, here's the standards for any product that's in this shop. And I I think it's kind of hard to find that kind of transparency now, unless it's like a very specific part of a company's mission, but then it's like, you can't get everything from one company. So that's why I was like, this is beautiful. This is perfect. Cause then it's like all different products from different companies but it's ones that are like she's tried friends family members have tried and I send her stuff all the time I'm like look at this could you put this in the shop you know so I'll put the link for it in there she's really cool and she also posts great tips on Instagram so live well with Danielle and out balanced bod it'll just give you some ideas for like what to look for what to avoid in things Um, I think she has product swaps and stuff up there too so if you are like newer to this stuff and it's confusing I would definitely go check out Danielle but that's just like a little side note I was like wait I know someone that can help people with this 
Yeah, that's awesome. It's a yeah, it's a really I was like, this was a really good idea. Very needed and like just very transparent, which is nice. And so just to kind of wrap up the whole section to support the liver, a lot of people are probably like, what about supplements and like herbs and stuff? We do like to use supportive herbs. Like there are certain herbs like milk thistle, dandelion root, burdock root. These do support your liver and they can actually help with that detoxification process. We do recommend getting the basics in first. If you're not eating enough, if you're not getting enough carbohydrates, uh, if you're not getting the you know B vitamins and all the minerals and vitamin C that your liver needs, they probably won't help you as much or they could become a crutch. And so that you're kind of relying on those things in order to detox properly. I think it's best to focus on, like we just went through those 10 ways to support your liver and then add in things like dandelion, milk thistle, burdock. Mm -hmm. And especially like during your luteal phase, if you're cycling, they can be really, really helpful. And, you know, if you deal with bloating, PMS type symptoms, period pain, we talked about this in our period pain podcast, but you do want to have those basic needs met first. For sure. And I, I mean, I do like to incorporate these things in like different teas I drink. Like if I'm going to drink tea anyway at night, I might as well make it something that's, you know, liver supportive and things like that. But again, like Amanda said, if that's the only thing you get from this podcast episode, then chances are you're probably not going to see a lot of, <laughs> a lot of positive change. But we do hope that we gave you some good tips for just starting out. And again, it all goes back to the foundations and the basics as always. We know there was a lot in this episode and hopefully it, it helped you kind of, you know, take away some clarity rather than confusion. But yeah, the liver is super important and, you know, we really need to continue to support it just through basic nutrition and building resilience to stress. Awesome. Well, we hope you enjoy this. We hope you're all looking at approaching liver health and detoxification very differently now. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Are You Menstrual podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review and sharing the podcast with someone you think it will help. If you are new here, we can't recommend enough to start with our mineral imbalance quiz. This is going to give you an idea if you are at low, moderate, or high risk for mineral imbalances. And then of course, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Hormone Healing RD and consider signing up for our newsletter. If you like nerding out and you are just loving these podcasts, but maybe you're a little bit more visual and you want to see things too, we go into a ton of detail in our weekly newsletter. So we would love to have you join us there. All right. Thank you. And we will see you in the next episode.